All right, everybody, welcome back to Bearded Drums Live. This is our second episode coming at you this week. My name, obviously, is Stephen, and I have, as always, with me, Mr. Jarrett. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Jarrett. You don't even get a hello. You just get a wink. That's all you get. Sorry. <laughs> Here, let me open that for you so you can be our little uh, chat moderator. I'm not the most technical savvy. As That's you a, will, well, no, it's face id so you can't do what it. anyway yeah you can't get in there anyway oh. um anyway this is our second episode coming at you um hopefully a couple of things are a lot better this week um we've got some different kind of stream settings going on and i was watching the playback last week or we were rather watching the playback after we got done and i did notice a couple of times that we were buffering and i think I fixed it this week with changing up some settings, but if you are out there in the comments and you do see the video start buffering, just let us know. Jarrett will see it, and that way I'll know to adjust something. Also, it is terrible weather here today. It's awful. Yeah. It's, it's past few days have just been gross. It's disgusting. I haven't wanted to do anything, but uh, I have AT&T, and sometimes AT&T in the rain doesn't do as well either so again if you see the video just kind of lagging or buffering just let us know that way i can kind of change some stuff up and make sure that you know everything is going smoothly this week um just a little bit of housekeeping this week number one we noticed last week as you guys were commenting it doesn't show up immediately for us right here so you do have to give us like about probably about 20 seconds or so, yeah. Yeah, for it to come through. So if we don't answer your comment or your question immediately, Jarrett will see it. He'll be monitoring the chat, and we'll see it. There's going to be a delay. But on some really good news, we have done some upgrades this week. Um, we are now live. Well, not live right now, but we are now up on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So if you are the type of person that does not want to eat up your data on your phone, or if you're doing like Jarrett likes to do and do a project and you just want to hear the audio, simply go to, if you use Apple Podcasts or if you use Spotify, and search Bearded Drums. These videos are live on YouTube, obviously. When they're done, the video gets uploaded to YouTube and then give me about, you know, a couple of hours, maybe the next morning, and the full audio version, no video, will be up on Apple and Spotify because I know, like, and you were mentioning, you have friends, and I know you like to listen to the audio version, you yeah. know, when you're doing projects and things like that. So just some housekeeping for you guys this week. Um, if you are already here, thank you for joining us. Um, and remember, the chat is live. So if you want to ask a question or if you just want to say something, hit it in the chat probably about 20 seconds later. Jared will see it and we'll, you know, we'll keep that updated as we move. So let's go ahead. We have nothing to do like last week. No bottle pop in. And, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, well, actually, we do have something we have to do. And I think we should do this every week. Let us all praise Mr. Watson Nord, the patron, the one and only, the one and only. That is the man that has got us to this point. He was our financial patron and allowed all the beautiful stuff you see, the cameras, the mics, the new lights that we have this week. Uh, you should, everything should look good. 
um, as far as, you know, the video coming through and the audio coming through. So, as I said, we don't have as much to do on the front end yeah. this week. Um, but go ahead and starting like we're going to do every week. We're going to go with, um, well, actually, how's your week going so far? Oh, it's been pretty good. Other than the weather? Other than the weather, it's been pretty good. Uh, not looking forward to this six-day straight uh, week at work, but it's been pretty good, though. Well, I, I at least know that you are doing okay because I was literally with you last night, and Jared and I, to further improve this show, got with Mr. Derek Fountain of Derek Fountain Photography, our really good friend who helped me build this channel, and help us get this live stream set up. We were actually with him last night, and you can see there on the screen, doing a professional photo shoot. This was Jarrett's first professional photo shoot, right, Jarrett? Yeah, it's my first one ever. I've never done anything like this. I think the last time I had anything close to this was doing composites in my fraternity, and then before that was like high school photos. Well, not only were we getting the stuff done for the podcast, so we'll have a good thumbnail and all that kind of stuff but also this is Jared's first time to have drummer headshots done of yeah. himself so now he's got professionally shot they're going to look really good everything Derek shoots is is he's my favorite photographer from around here so Jared will have some nice if you follow him on Instagram or anything like that he's probably going to have a nice new headshot in about a week and we'll have nice new marketing material and thumbnails for the channel okay. so so you had a good week. I, I guess it's been a good week. It's ter the the weather is just it's, it's awful. It's super depressing. I've been in a hole, you know, sticking here around the house. I don't. I, I know it sucks for you. You had to come over yesterday for mm. the photo shoot in the terrible weather. Yep. And now you had to come over. At least it was misting yesterday. Yeah. But today it was probably oh it was pouring on the interstate <laughs> and that box truck. When you get off the exit to come yeah, down whatever that highway is. I'm not very geological <laughs> when it comes. It's like it's all signs. You have to tell me like landmarks. <laughs> I'm just kind of creeping along. And then this big old like bread truck is like, this is my lane now. <laughs> you can only turn. Get one out of way. the way. Yeah. <laughs> or, or, or pay the price. Yeah, uh -huh. I drive a large truck, too. So we're playing chicken. I mean, it's not. not and and little... I guess either no matter what you. No matter what you drive, you don't really want to play chicken with No, them. I don't. <laughs> it's a very large truck. Um, so anyway, uh, first part of the show, as always, we're going to go over what we are doing this week. And I don't remember if somebody actually requested it last week or if you just mentioned. Did somebody ask? Uh, you just said it was disgusting. I, oh, there you go. Then, I, my stuff, then yeah. I asked. Um, so we're going to, you know, we're going to go to Jared and let Jared tell you about his disgustingly beautiful. Yeah. It is disgusting, but it's also a treasure trove of uh, beautiful things that he has, uh, you know, amassed in his house. So, Jared, as I put this still up, go ahead and take us through your wonderful world of drums. All right. So, on the bottom left there, that is a DW Collectors. I traded a broadcaster that I mentioned last week I got from Forks. That's a 121622. Then to the right of it, that weird-looking Strata, that is a 60s, well, or late 60s, early 70s Ludwig standard uh, Strata. It's a gold Strata standard. So um, beautiful. It is. That's the one that you and Hugh helped me do. So beautiful. 
And then just my random gym bay. I had to get out of the garage, put it up there. Uh, behind it, hidden, is a 1960s uh, Ludwig Club Day. You can check that uh, kit out in Steven's vintage drum kit yes, video. Yes, used to be mine. That is, I had two. I have the blue one that you might see in you know my regular uh, my regular videos. Um, and then that was its brother. And it's really weird. They're the same sizes, yep. 20, 14, 12. And they're, I think that one's a little bit older, but I swear, and Jarrett can attest to this, the bass drum on the gold club date is like a third, maybe more yeah. pitch lower than the blue sparkle. That's weird. It's, but it's, it's, it's an amazing little kit. So anyway, sorry, get oh, you back fine. to your, uh, to your show off here. And then behind that is a 1960s uh, Ludwig Hollywood in blue sparkle. I got that from Lynn Smith. That'll actually be going on a trade soon um, to Swindle Custom Drums. Um, he's helping me build the drum kit. And when he came over and dropped my snare drum off, he was really in love with those two kits, those Ludwigs. And I was like, well, we'll do a little trade and then we'll, we'll see what happens. And so. And Swindle, if you're watching or if you watch this, Later on, we kind of hyped you up a little bit. We've got your drum going to be featured in some of Jarrett's headshots. Yep. Um, and it might make it into some of the marketing photos. I can't remember now what photos were taken, but we're trying to hype your company up, man. So at least at least on Jarrett's socials, you'll yep. be seeing your drum in a nice, high-quality pick. Um, and hopefully, if I remember that we got that in the, the shot of two of us, there will be your your drum in like some of the marketing photos for this channel. So anyway, back to your. And then behind that is a, <clears throat> a early two thousands uh, Yamaha Absolute Maple Custom. That's the black one, all the way no, in the back. All the way in the back, but it's like that weird like dark blue. Stain. Oh, it looks black here on the picture, but yeah, I, I know what you're yeah, talking. Yeah, that's about. the that's the one that went through Katrina in the yeah. bags that Pat McGinley. That's a nice Cleaned drum up. set. That's a really sweet yeah. drum set. So moving on as our panorama turns to the right. That's that Gretsch that yeah, I Yeah, we cut talked down. about that last week. Yeah, I've been practicing on it. Um, and then all those beautiful snare drums in the back. Or is there a picture just of the snare drums? Uh, the next few will be of just the snare drums. Okay, so that's the kit we talked about, the cut down Catalina maple. maple. Yep. So now moving on. Oh, there we go. All right. Tell us about your snares, Jared. All right. So that that top one with the wood hoops, that is a 60s Ludwig parade snare that Stephen helped me put floor tom legs on to make a, a snom. To the right of that is that drum I showed last week, that 1940s WFL gold sparkle. That's a 10 by 14. Then below on that bottom rack, uh, left to right, is I don't know what year. It was a snare drum that our good friend Hugh uh, put together. Those are Gladstone lugs. If anyone doesn't know what Gladstone lugs are, um, they're one part of the inspiration for the Gretsch New Classic lugs that were done. So if you see even like the Brooklyn Standard that Mike Johnston put out, those are the styled lugs, but they're not the actual Gladstone lugs. Gladstone, uh, he made lugs for... Billy Gladstone. Billy Gladstone for orchestral snare drums where you can tighten the bottom head without turning the snare drum over. So you can tighten the top from the top, 
the bottom from the top, and then you can do both at the same time with his crazy key that he and made. And they are expensive. Every time I've seen a drum with the Gladstone lugs on it or just a set, somebody will sometimes sell just a set of the Gladstone lugs. Mm-hmm. It is what did I, do you remember what Hugh said he paid Hugh's, per lug? Hugh said it was thirty per lug. Now, how long ago he bought those lugs? I don't know, but it was thirty dollars. And it's a probably lug. more than that if you were to find them on eBay. And I have seen Gladstone snares on eBay, and they are hyper expensive. So yes, uh, and the shell is from I cannot think of that guy's name. Um, Hugh's friend, the older guy who does the the jazz brunch. Um, oh, uh, yeah, yeah. The uh, furniture guy. I'm blanking. I feel so bad. Yep. I can't um, either, but. But he bought that shell. He does furniture for a living, and so he finished that drum, and it's beautiful. To the right of it is the Ajax snare drum from the Ajax kit I got from Hugh. Uh, to the right of that is that Pearl Soprano. That was yeah, yours. Yeah, 12 by 7. That's a great snare. Yep. And then to the right of it is that the pancake. The snare that I made. The, the pancake. That, yep. 14 by, I don't even remember. Two? Two or one and three quarters. Yeah, something. Um, kind of missed that snare. Looking for one right now. But yes, sorry to interrupt you. Oh, no, you're fine. And so that's that rack. And then the next photo is just the middle rack. Let me get you oh. to the next. There we go. And so in the middle rack, that is a 63 super sensitive that my grandma picked up from a thrift store for like 20 bucks. Um, Sweet. That I... <laughs> kind of got working. Um, that middle one is a Ludwig s- New Classic or Super Classic. It's a six and a half by fourteen, and it has the the burgundy one. Yeah, the burgundy one, and it has that weird um, almost the Buddy Rich throw off. Whenever he was with Ludwig, I think the second time, I think because he remember he swapped back and forth between Sunderland and Ludwig a lot, um, and that's the one that has the gut wires on it. Ooh. Yeah. So it's real articulate. Ooh, I bet it is. And then to the right of it is the super sensitive from you. Oh yeah, the 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 hybrid monster. Yep. That's it's now a superphonic yeah. with the air quotes cuz it's the I same I should have loaded up those pictures. I have those pictures of the I actually cut out um, cuz if you know what a super sensitive is, it's got that really funky mechanism on the bottom that basically just pushes the snare wires up against the head. It doesn't pull them like you, you know, like you normally would. Mm-hmm. Um, so I always wanted a superphonic, and the shell is the same. Yeah. So I think you had given me the butt plate and the throw off, like era correct, and I took broken cymbal pieces and cut out like a mounting plate to put just a regular throw off uh, and butt plate on that snare. So just a cool drum. It can be a super sensitive, or it can be. A superphonic. With no extra holes drilled. That's right. That's right. That's right. Um, And the bottom left, I forgot how old Hugh told me that the drum is. The banjo drum. That's uh, So Slinger made banjos before they started making drums. So that's a banjo shell with, uh, I forgot what that throw off is called. There's a couple of those you can see every once in a while. But that's a cool drum with, I think, the first or second run of Remo Fiberskin head still on. So that head is extremely old. That's on it. To the right is a uh, Radio King Gene Krupa model, single ply, steam band. Solid ply. Solid ply. That's a great drum. That's I think it's 7 by 14. That's a beautiful, it's got that beautiful kind of aged white marine, per, the perfect, you know, it's almost oh, yeah. a creme, creme fresh Butterscotch. <laughs> um, then to the right of it is uh, another Gene Krupa model, but later on, that's not the Cloud Badge, uh, that's the 
that's the gold or brass badge um, that's black. That's another Radio King single single ply steam bent shell uh, from Hugh. That's the one that he used in the video. The video. Uh, the one you'd said you'd never get rid of, Hugh, and now it's in Jared's fortress of snare drums. It is. And if you guys haven't noticed a lot, I keep saying his name because a lot of these drums are from Hugh. Yes. Yeah. Um, we are going to try when we can. I, I've shot my wad to get all of this set up. But when we get a little more money together or if the podcast starts producing, the audio podcast starts producing some cash, all we need is another mic. Um, because I never come to my camera hardly ever. So I don't feel like I really need it. I can do everything from here. So I've got an extra camera really. Um, we just need another mic and then we can start bringing in local drummers. Um, it really anybody and Hugh, if you're listening or if you see this down the road, we so want you to come on the show and oh, share yeah. your drum wisdom with us. It has great stories too. Yes. From great the, stories. From the old days. Um, so anyway, Back to your, uh... and then to the right of it is another Gene Krupa model uh, from a later, uh, I think it's from the seventies, I think, and that's just chrome over brass with all the standard fittings. Um, and then the next rack is all Gretsch. Is that another photo or is? <laughs> yeah, it's another photo. Oh, then that's the last photo. There we yeah. go. Um, and so up there, uh, like I mentioned last week that I like to play a lot with my band, that top left is a Legend Brass Gretsch. It's a great drum. Used to be Stevens. That's right. To the right of it is uh, another Legend series that, or is it a USA that was yours? Because that's the one I got. Oh, no, that's just a, I don't think it was called like a standard, but it's just 10-ply maple, not made in USA, but just a 10-ply maple, and then you put what, wood hoops on it? Yeah. I bet you that sounds right. It does. I have a coated dip on top of it, real bright nice. and articulate. Then to the right of it is a uh, RN2 Gretsch Renown 6.5 by 14. I got that because uh, I was playing bigger drums. So, so I would wanted... you say that you like Gretsch? Yeah, <laughs> definitely would say, <laughs> for sure. And then the bottom, Gold Sparkle, that is a Gretsch Round Badge from Stephen. Well, from Hugh. From Hugh. Of course, like yeah. most of our great... Vintage pieces. Um, Hugh is usually the 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 source for all that. Yep, and you can check a video on that particular snare drum and Stephen's vintage snare drum uh, shootout or whatever he right. did a while back. Check the channel out. Check the channel out. And then to the right, I got that from Hugh. That is another round badge, uh, Gretsch, but that one is a thin shell. I think that's the Jasper shell, I think, because the other one is thicker than that one. The Gold Sparkle is thicker than that one. Yeah. Um, and that one's got some crack. That thing is a loud snare drum for how thin it is. Then to the right is the Mardi Gras snare drum. That Mardi Gras drum is in my vintage snare drum video. That is one of the coolest sounding. It's on the inside. He actually cut a little badge out. He got all the, the period correct hardware, the Gretsch hardware. But that is a marching snare from like, I can't remember. It's written on the inside. It's like the 50s. And he cut it. He cut a section out to make. Go back to the still to make that in the bottom right hand corner that Mardi Gras colored snare drum. He cut down a, I think fifties or sixties marching snare. I want to say it was a fifty eight. I yeah. think is what the and inside so is. that I played that a bunch. I played that out a bunch before you got it. That's a 
That's an amazing snare drum. And then what one left? Is that one the left. beautiful? Yeah. And that is the one that you took pictures of a while back. That I should have brought. Man, I'm I'm not on it. <laughs> so that is a new uh vintage a new vintage build out uh broadcaster five by fourteen. But that one is a particularly different model. If I'm not mistaken, that's one of the limited run supplies. I got that at Forks too. And so that's on the, got on the the forks run. Yeah, on the forks run, yeah. So that's got the three hundred one hoops. Not to be confused with three hundred two because it's a single flange. It's got the claws that go around it. It's got the big double wide muffler on the inside, and it has the new super sensitive throw offs that they do. But instead of it just being on and off, there's a button that locks it in. Another reason why we like locking throw offs. Of course, of course, of course. So. Well, Jared, I'd say you have enough drums, maybe. Well, and the bad thing is that's not all of them because I still have <laughs> I have an 80s uh, Imperial Star and 12, 14, 15, 16, 22. I have that Primero XPK that's in 10, 14, 20. Then there's the Ajax kit you didn't see, which is 12, 14, 20. And he didn't even show you his symbols. No, that's not. <laughs> and then there's also the custom kit I built l- this last summer, which is 12, 16, 24. Then there's my band's rehearsal kit, which is a CB700 I got for free off the side of the road. And that's 12, 13, 14, 20 with a 14 snare drum in really good shape. It's not for being on the side of the road being from 1979. Really good shape. And then there's the Brassmaster. Uh, you don't see that one. Uh, oh, and then there's the Gretsch Catalina. That Hugh, I traded Hugh a while back because I had that. Uh, broadcaster and the bop sizes. Okay, we get it. it. Yeah, okay. We get it. It's disgusting. There's a lot. I mean, I say it's disgusting, but when I was around your age, I was doing the the exact... This room kind of looked like that. I have some great pictures. So go for it. Do it while you can. You can always keep the stuff that's great. Yeah. And get... That's what I've done. A lot of it's gone to you. Some of it's gone to eBay. I've whittled it down to three drum kits that I actually use. Um, A handful of... Well, I say a hand... Ten snare drums that I love. And the symbols that, so, you know, do it while you can, I, you know, no gripes here. Yeah, um, it's fun because you get a little piece of history and like, it's all, it's just cool to be like, oh yeah, I got, and there's a story behind every drum on how I got it and then who got it before. Like the ones with the stories are always the best. Oh yeah. That's, that's, well, thank you for sharing your arsenal of, <laughs> of course, we'll cover the symbols next week. I guess. Yeah, there we go. We'll cover the symbols next week. Um, so that's what. No, Jared doesn't really have anything going on this week, building or whatever drum wise. But that's Jared's little contribution, I guess, because I asked you to yeah. to share it all. Um, myself, though, um, because like I said in last week's video, I can't share too much of what I'm working on because those are the videos that you're going to see. You know, the regular bearded drums videos. But I will share this because this is tomorrow's video. Tomorrow's video will be covering my Christmas present from my mother thank her so much uh very cool to have your mom find you a 1958 ludwig pioneer in the duco finish yep it is mm. 844 844 and if you want to know what 0844 is you're just gonna have to watch tomorrow's video that will go up in the morning um and check that out um i have played it extensively since getting it Jarrett uh, has yeah. gotten to play it. I've played it. It is 
it's something. It's nice. It's got a weird little little twang to it. It's got a rat. It's got it's got something. Um, it's December twelfth, I believe, fifty eight. So it's sixty two years old. Um, it's a transition badge, which is you know rarer. Um, it's got that Duco finish, even though somebody managed to mess the finish up in its lifetime thus far. But unlike most Ludwig's, it doesn't have that typical whitewash on the inside, which is I love. That yeah. It's just, you know, so if you want to check that out and see the story behind that one, 0844, tomorrow morning, the regular Bearded Drums video will be up for you to check out. So um, is that wrap up our our week recap? Yeah. That's... Anything uh, that we need to talk about that happened Sunday? No. <laughs> that was no. either number one mentionable on air or that was noteworthy? No, there's nothing. <laughs> If anything does happen at the Sunday Jam that is noteworthy, trust us, we will let you know. Oh, you'll know. You'll know. (laughs) Um, But before we move on to today's topic, do we have anything going on in the chat? Uh, Derek just said he's working on those images right now. Hands up emoji. Sweet. Shout out to Derek. And then we got Darren M. Hey, fellas. Cool show. Thank you, Darren. Thank you, sir, for checking in with us. Um, And if everybody hasn't didn't see the first video or this is your first week with us. This is, and at least till Jarrett's schedule changes, which it might every Thursday, 6 PM central, we will be going live talking about a different topic each week, as far as the main topic, which is what we're about to get to here in a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it's bearded drums. So you got two bearded dudes here Yep, talking about drums. So if you like this, you know, come and hang out with us every week. And if Jarrett's schedule does change, um, he'll let me know, obviously, and then I will post in the community tab. I didn't use the community tab on my YouTube channel for the longest time because I didn't have anything to say, but I've been using it more. Uh, I put the poll up initially to find out whether the viewers of this channel even wanted us to do a live stream, which I think they voted for like 67 to 30 percent, um, 33 percent to in favor of the podcast. So to kind of keep up with what's going on here between the live videos and the regular videos that I post, uh, just check the community tab there on the page for Bearded Drums and anything that changes, you know, I'll let you know, like I said, if your schedule changes. Oh, yeah. So that's all our housekeeping. That's what we've got going on this week. Um, It is now time to get to our topic of the week. And our topic was actually not even picked by us, was it, Jared? Nope. Twas not. Nope. We let Amber and Dakota, which is uh, the singer of the band that I work with, and not lately because nobody's playing, but my singer um, and Dakota, who is the bass player and also is the bass player for every Sunday night at our, uh, you know, musician hangout slash open jam. um, We we showed them the little notebook with all of our topics and said, you know, you guys pick what you would think would be the most interesting topic yeah um and actually the topic that they chose mr jarrett had uh suggested as the topic um and immediately when he said it i was like yeah that's a that's a great what what is our topic well i say that i was super interested when you brought it up because Mm -hmm. really when we start that you're going to notice that at least in the beginning, I'm sure we're going to agree with most, but I, I expect we'll disagree on some stuff. Yeah. Um, the topic is book versus street, um, you know, or like book learn drumming, 
versus self-taught or what I would consider street drumming. And uh, I am the street guy. And I am the book learned. That's right there. So you've got two different styles as far as how we learn to play drums right in front of you. Uh, what did you say? It's also called not book versus street, but. Um, so you also have red versus rote. And rote drumming is old school, dates back to like Civil War drumming, where they would just, a guy would have a piece and he would just either play it in front of you or he would tell you, like, on, I don't know how the correct way, like, and then, drum speak. Yeah, drum speak. And you would just mock whatever he played and that's how you learned it. You know, there's no written music. Some guy would just play something for you or just drum speak. I'm like, okay, cool, thanks. Which so is how I learned, you know, we'll get into that, but that's how I learned. Uh, mainly um, when I was coming up as a younger guy. Um, but I guess we'll start with you. Um, you know, not I, I guess not really a history or like, you know, of your drumming, but yeah. at least when you were coming up, lay out how, I guess it started, yeah. and then how you progressed up until, you know, college. Yeah, so I did beginner band, which starts in sixth grade for us. Um, so the beginner band, and then seventh grade, uh, we had a jazz band program, and I was like, well, I want to do jazz band. That sounds like fun. So that was my excuse to get a drum kit. Um, and so I did jazz band, seventh grade, all the way up till my junior year of college. Um, so I did high school marching. I did symphonic. I did uh, – we didn't have a percussion ensemble, but we did indoor drum line too. I played drum set for that, played bottom bass and snare. Um, or I almost played snare. They put me on drum kit after that. So I did that all through uh, middle school and high school, and then got to college, did marching band for my freshman and sophomore year of college, um, took private lessons throughout all this time with different people, and then did jazz band, like I said, till my senior year of college, and then after that I had no more schooling or private lessons, and I started teaching after I got uh, out of college. And obviously, because you came up in the school system, you know, I'm sure they heavily emphasized theory, obviously. Yeah. Learning how to read. Can you sight read? I mean, maybe not now, but oh, in no. your prime, could you like really fast? I know some guys, I can read music, mm -hmm. but it's at a turtle's pace because I have to literally count everything out. I can't sight read. Like if you were to be in a big band concert and they would just put the chart up in front of you, can yeah. I'm sure you could do it then. Can you still do that now? Yeah, I still like whenever I was telling you I was learning how to hang up your hangups. Yeah, well, that's right. When I sent you those 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 pictures, I was actually sight reading that at work, playing it on on the desk <laughs> during my during my break, and I was like, oh, so that's what he's playing, and that's when I told you I learned it lick by lick, and I was like getting hung up on parts. You're like, what? And I was like, yeah, because I was going through that's just sight reading it. They had the whole charts out, and uh, a best way to keep your sight reading chops up is to just sight read. Yeah, like most it's, things, it's just just look it up, uh, use it or lose it. Yeah, that's that's a big one. Is to use it or lose it for sight reading. So obviously they 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 pushed theory because you were in marching band and you can read, you could sight read. Um, you know now I guess the opposite side of that being uh, myself being the street version. Um, the how that you know I love telling this story because I'm getting older and I like stories when I get old. The house that we're actually in right now is the house that. Um, my parents were divorced, but my this is where my father lived when I was a child. Luckily enough, I'm, I have this house now. Um, the bedroom in the front there is where my room was. And one Christmas, Dad sent me, you know, go get the go get the tree and get all the stuff out of the uh, out of the attic. So I go up there, 
and I'm right where the chimney comes up into the ceiling. Um, I'm getting the tree out and like as the tree kind of falls down, I see and I'm looking at it. You can't see it, but Jared can see it. I'm staring at it right now. A 1960s Ludwig Blue Sparkle Club Date. Like the tree falls down and there is this shining glory. And I had not played music. I was a sports kid. Baseball, football, all that kind of basketball, even though I was terrible at basketball. Um, that was kind of how I came up until this would have been about 11. The tree falls down as I'm getting all the stuff out. And there that kid is right in front of me. All of the stuff, some symbols, the kit, a box full of like, like the stuff you love to find now. If yeah. you're vintage hunting, all the sticks and the little wood blocks. And without even asking my dad, I drug it down. You know, I, I skipped the tree. <laughs> I skipped the tree altogether. I was like, I'm getting this down. So I bring the kit down and I take it in my room and I set the whole thing up. And um, I, I, the only thing that I will say as far as my early part that I was taught was I got the whole kit set up. You know, it's pretty self-explanatory. Yeah. But when it came to the hi-hat, you know, because if you've never seen, number one, a hi-hat or put a hi-hat together, you wouldn't know to put the sim the top symbol on yeah. the clutch, you know, put the bottom. So, so I couldn't, and I'm sitting there fiddling with it. And my dad came in the room and didn't even say, you know, why did you get this out of the, the he, nothing. He was obviously like a, like a great parent that supportive was like, Oh, you know, and he took the symbol, put it on the clutch, put the bottom hi hat on the stand and, and that, and put it on there. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> so of course I start fiddling around and, Spent the next year, you know, year just, I think this was back in, this is going to show you how old I am. This was, this would have been 90, early 90 something, um, 93, 94. I had two CDs. I had a Steve Winwood CD, which was my dad's. Yeah. And he had given me, um, like for Christmas or something, uh, Iron Butterfly, which do you know the song Anagata DeVita, like from the Simpsons? Oh Yeah. In, if you don't know, Iron Butterfly's in a Gata Vida, like 23-minute rock masterpiece from the 70s. Fueled yeah. by lots of drugs. Well, yeah, but also it's like broken in, like there's the song, and then there's like a four-minute guitar solo, and there's like a four, and the drums get, and I think that's why he thought it was cool to give it to me, that the drums get like a five-minute solo. So I had two CDs, and I didn't like any of the Iron Butterfly stuff except for that one song, and I learned a bunch of, the Steve Winwood stuff, which is probably why I still love Steve Winwood to death. But I spent the the first year of my life with two CDs, no money. You know, this is back yeah. in the 90s. There's no cutting lawns job or anything like that. I had two CDs and that was how I learned. And the only thing I was really ever taught as far as how to play was I would spend just about every afternoon in school in that room or afternoon after school in that room playing. And he came in one day and noticed that I was playing open handed just cause I didn't, you know, if, you, if you've never been taught and you don't know, yeah, you wouldn't know to switch your hands. So he came in and he goes, no, you don't do this. He put the right hand on the hi hat. And so that was probably after that little pivotal moment where I was like, Oh, then it was 12 or 13 all the way till, 17 or 18 then i started noticing and this is probably where our discussion is going to come into play um you know you can only teach yourself so much yeah you can only go so far if you don't know 
what a paradiddle is, it's almost impossible odds that you're going to stumble across right, left, right, right, left, right, left, left. Like, yeah. You know, I mean, you might, but you're not going to find a pat of flaw out of the middle of the air. You're not no. going to, you know, so <laughs> I get ready to go to Southern Miss and that's when it's like, okay, you know, then I started getting into the book and you have to eventually obviously get into the book and all that stuff. But I did learn after a year or so at Southern, um, the type of player I wanted to be and, you know, really wanting to play live for me. I didn't need it. Yeah. It just wasn't my path. You know, there's nothing wrong with that path, but for me, that was the way. And so I left and now this is what you get me here having this conversation with you. So that's kind of both of our backgrounds. Very book and very street. Um, so the, the the point of the conversation is going to be, and we really, if you're watching right now, please weigh on, weigh in on this. Let us know whether you were self-taught, if you're a book, you know, if you were taught in school or if you're street, you know, um, we want to hear, um, you know, you, y'all's opinion on this. And actually, before we actually move into the de- debate, yeah. has anybody weighed in on the chat? Um, only thing we got is from Andrew uh, Conkey. I believe it's a cool last name, by the way. Uh, K O N K E Y. Um, he says, What's up, fellas? Have a question about a Peisty China. Is $40 a decent price to pay for a 505 18 inch? I we kind of discussed this last week. I think both of us are pretty good with Zildjian, with Sabian, even Istanbul. Yeah, I'm good with Bosphorus. Um, I'm pretty good with Minel for the most yeah, part. Um, yeah. The only one we're really not good with, and it's probably because of the stores in this area never really carried it. We're not really good with Peisty. I don't know if yeah. you want to weigh in on that. Um, I don't know a whole lot about their lines. I know you got the 602. There's the five. Well, it's 502, 602. And then there's the 2002, which I get, which is the higher line. Then you have Rude, which is their super heavy, loud, aggressive uh, symbols. And then there's the traditional or signature series, which is like close to like K's and everything. Yeah. Um, I would say, what I, I don't know a lot about it, I would highly suggest go on Reverb, put in that exact thing, and then just look around and see what the other price comparisons are. I don't know where you're getting the symbol from if it is on reverb just look around for other stuff uh steven's a big ebay guy so go on ebay and see what other prices are for um definitely check out i mean just look on youtube and just see demos of everything and then normally they'll have like a price listed they should yeah i mean obviously you're on youtube you're watching us so that's your biggest resource number one to find out I would assume you've already found out that you want this particular symbol, but that's the best thing. That's when I look for gear. I know that's when he looks for gear. I type in a specific model of something and then I go down the rabbit hole of like, I want to hear how Portsmouth did their recording of a snare. Yep. And I want to hear how uh Sweetwater's recording sound because everybody's recording is going to sound different. So you'll get a good kind of average mean of how that one thing is going to sound. And then, like he said, the, the internet is your tool, so let's see the com- prices compared between Sweetwater, between Reverb, between Guitar Center, between whoever will have it. You know, um, like I said, I can't really weigh on whether that is worth 
that specific one. Yeah. Um, what I will try to do is once we're done with this uh, tonight's episode, I'll go and look back at your comment and check that symbol out and try to go price hunting for you. And if you'll come back next week, if, if you haven't bought it already by then, we'll kind of, I guess, give you a little, yeah, uh, you know, suggestion whether you know the, this price is the best or or anything like that. So yeah. Um, anything, anybody else weighing in? Oh, uh, that's it so far. All right. So back to our conversation, book versus street. What is better? What is the proper? I don't, you know, so this yeah. is where we're probably going to have some disagreements, but I think in the end we'll probably end up, uh, somewhere me- meeting halfway, it's meeting halfway. Yeah. Cause so there's some well, things you I tell am- me your opinion on, uh, the proper way to, if, you know, if say I've got a, a child, yeah, uh, eight nine, and I throw them at you. What do what do you? What's your recipe from start to you know? So whenever I was teaching, um, I had a couple students that have never played before, and so I definitely start them on like the correct way to hold the sticks, and we go through the four strokes: you're full, you're down, you're tap, and you're up. Because those are the building blocks. I mean, they literally are fundamentals because you have to get those down. And so I would go through the correct technique you need to play with. We don't touch traditional at all. That's not a that's well, but the technique is so important. Yeah. And then a big thing I would slowly introduce would be um, slight writing. I would draw quarter notes out on the board and be like, so this is what a quarter note is. It's like it's. The numbers will say out loud. One, two, three, four. Okay, cool. And we'll kind of go through there. And then we're like, well, this. And then I had one student's like, well, what's he doing? Because he's going, duh, 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 not duh, duh. Oh, that's cool. Those are eighth notes. It's, think of it as double the beat. What's four times two? He's like, eight. I'm like, boom. You got eighth notes. Then I'll draw the eighth notes out. And so, as me personally, I'm a very visual learner. Like I'm I, well. I, I, I'm as I'm as well. Very I have visual. to I have to read it, see it, and do it all a lot and equally. Some people are more than others. I have to do all three equally and hard to make sure that I know for sure that's what I'm doing correctly. Well, I would say I'm as as visual as you. Maybe not with the reading, but I do better obviously because I'm self taught. If I can see you do it, mm-hmm. obviously I'm going to hear you do it. But if I can see you do it, then it, you know it's kind of like uh, uh, drumline. Yeah, I think I made this joke last week. I am what's his name? The guy Nick the, Cannon's character. I'm Nick Cannon, guys. I'm Nick Cannon, <laughs> and you are the other guy, the 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 drum captain. Yeah. And I am over here trying to watch and memorize the strokes, and he's over there yelling at me, "No, no, no! Mm-mm. You need to learn what an eighth rest is. You need to learn. You know, he's trying to push for the board, yeah. and I'm over here going, "Nah, man." I got this. I don't need <laughs> I don't need you. Um, but I guess my question, because I'm with you so far. Yeah. Technique and all that is very important. Um, and obviously it was different when, maybe not you, but when I was coming up, there was no YouTube. There was nobody to show me yeah. on the screen whether I'm doing it wrong or not. Um, dive a little deeper for me in your, uh, you know, your thoughts, um, like the importance of reading. Or, you know, does everybody need to know how to sight read or does everybody just need to know how to recognize when they see a piece in front of them or a chart? I believe that you should, if you're going to play, should have the bare minimum. 
be able to kind of see what's going on and piece it together. I don't expect anyone to be able to go through and look at my old marching snare music and be like, I know what all of these notes mean and all these notations and everything. I don't expect anyone to know all of that um, unless that's something that you want to go into. Then definitely you need to learn all that. But I think for like the, maybe the hobbyist drummer, the guy that's playing on the weekends with his friends and buddies going to bars playing, whenever that happens again. Why are you looking at me? Uh, sorry. <laughs> um, you know, whenever that happens, you know, for those guys, yeah, you don't have to know all the notation. Um, but I believe it's super helpful to one, be able to read because I'm not going to lie to you. Whenever I had to cover that gig for you, I looked up a bunch of charts to try to find like and how see, to play them. It served you well. And and some people did and some people didn't, you know. And then when, I, when, we, when we got to playing some of the tunes, I'm like, I learned it by the book. And you guys don't play it that way. And so I had to... No cover band does, I promise. Yeah. I don't care how well you learn a tune. I'll put this out for anybody that might be watching. If you're like a younger guy or you're looking to get into... No cover band plays it exactly like the book. And number two, you'll see this in live concerts versus like your favorite artist. If you see them on a, or you hear them on an album and you get used to the way that album sounds and then you go to a concert and see it live... I can guarantee you 99% of the time it's faster, no matter what mm. the live version of anything because of the excitement and the crowd and the general, you know, theme of what's going on. It's always going to be faster. So yeah, you can't rely always on the sterility of the recording, you know, mm. or like that. And like you said, you learn that at that live gig that, Oh, well, yeah, you got to be was... a little loose and you got to be uh, flexible. Because I, I had uh, I found some charts online, had the BPM, put metronome on, you know, didn't listen to the tracks just yet, but I put the, you know, have metronome going on. I was like, okay, one and two, three, four and, and two and, and, okay, go, boom. I'm like, oh, is that, what's that one Philly does? Okay, and I'm going through reading, okay, one, a two, a three, a four and. Okay, cool, I got that. And then we I get to the gig for cover for Steven when he's in Disney World, and the next thing I know... Not, not, okay, Noonan actually solos. Okay, cool. All right, never mind. Uh, where am I at again? You know, I got kind of hung up on some parts, and then after playing it, like, I, Matt goes, count it in. All right? One, two. He's like, no, no, no. It's slower. I'm like, one, two. And he's like, I'll just count. He'll, he'll just <laughs> count. He guided me the entire time. Or the Noonan would be like, no, we play this tune actually faster than the recording. I ask people all the time. Yeah. Um, if I'm not comfortable, hey, man, give me a tempo. I don't. I have no problem being told the tempo. Mm -hmm. um, I, there's certain songs we know how fast or slow it's supposed to be, but sometimes you're like, "No, man, let me know what is comfortable for you." Yeah. Um, and then, then they're comfortable, and then the whole thing will go, you know, kind of better. My rebuttal to all that, although I do agree, mm -hmm. you know, foundation, you're holding your sticks and all that. That is, no matter which way you go, especially nowadays with young drummers coming up, even if you're going to self-teach yourself, you can go on YouTube. Tommy Igo or any of these guys can show you how to hold a stick properly. Yep. You can learn single stroke, double stroke, paradiddle, you know, on on through the rudiments. If that's the route you want to go, I would say even if you don't want to learn all 40 rudiments, you probably at least need to learn like the the, the eight core. Yeah, because uh, like, like the building blocks, like yeah. flams and flam taps and flam accents, you can just move those around and you have – Flaw flaws. If you just learn a double stroke roll, then you know that you can learn a five stroke, which makes you learn a six and a seven. Or if you know a single and a double, that's a paradiddle. Yeah. It's a so, yeah, if you learn the core ones, maybe you don't have to get into, 
you know, the really higher up rudiments, unless you're going to be a marcher or something like that, or if that's the way you want to go. But agreeing with the early part, um, granted, I do believe hindsight being 2020. Yeah. If I could go back, I wish, man, and it's nothing against my parents, but if I could go back into time, I would be like, no, no baseball, no (laughs) football, put this kid in it like seven. Yeah. And put sticks in my hand and I would have been, but I don't know. Would I have turned out the way I did? You know, yeah. I guess that's the big question. How you're going to turn out is a big thing. And where I would probably, it's, I guess, not really differ from you, but once you get the basics down of the mechanics and then, like I said, being able to basically read, like maybe not fast sight read, but to be able to look at a piece of drum music and be able to figure something out that you can't figure out, you know, by your ear past that for me feel is King. And especially now that I am, I'll be 39 in a month at 39 feel has become the biggest key for me. And as as cliche as it might sound, serving the song i know people hate to hear that with the way chops are on instagram and youtube and chop this and chop that and let me see how many 16th note triplets i can fit into a bar and a half phrase like yeah for me number one serve the song and your feel has to be impeccable and that's where i think the street part of it comes in the music that you're going to listen to is going to shape the way you play the drummers that you're around, like when you're really young, the older drummers you're around or the better drummers. Mm -hmm. And I'm 39 and I still like being around better drummers. You know, we, it's not a competition. We all know that music is not a competition, but Jared, I will admit is technically a better player than I am. So there has been many things, a lot of Latin stuff. Yeah. I have picked up from you and you even showed me one specific, uh, uh, pattern here. I asked you, you know, the dang, dang, gang, 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 the cascada, you know, so there's a lot of stuff that I picked up from him and I would venture to say, I probably have put something on you. Yeah. So I would definitely say, uh, coverage mentioned it would go before I have that hardcore marching background. So like, and to me, I learn a lot of like, and how my playing style has been influenced by it. I'll take like cool snare patterns or, parts that would play in a tune and I just put them across the drums and it gets me my thing and that's kind of like how my feel is I try to keep it tight but then nothing gets Steven which I think is cool which I've been trying to pick up on that if you would have done that route because I, I like the way Steven plays in one aspect because it gets a little sloshy because you like all your Fort Bayou Slim stuff you know that fit the music you know when the I dirt walk, is where the funk is yeah I mean I, I, I would like to think that that's my favorite style of music is funk you know, um, but that's kind of my point. Like, yeah, the mechanics and yes, the basics after that for me, like you were saying, marching drummers, you, you learn all these specific, very strict patterns and not you because you have actually number one, I would say, and I, I don't mean when I say your playing has gotten better since I met you as far as technically, but the way you sound, yeah, you've kind of developed your own sound or the way you play. And it's not, I'm going to use this a lot as we discuss this, not sterile. Um, It might've been a little sterile right when I first met you, but 
not just me, but hanging around all the drummers around here, listening to the music you listen to, and the fact that you're you know significantly younger than I am, as you move on, you're going to develop your own really signature sound of playing. And you have. I know a lot of guys that came up in Jarrett's route. School band, into high school, marching, very strict. You know, stick height is a big thing. And some of those players, and I know he'll agree with me, now that they're either my age or slightly younger, you know, say between your age and yeah. Jarrett's 25. I'll be 26. In 25. April. I'm 39. So anybody between there, I know a lot of players that were coming from the book route and they might be 35 years old and they sound sterile. I mean, you ask them to play a simple cover or just a funk tune or a blues tune and it sounds like they are reading it from the chart and there's nothing there to be reading they were just play- and it's very sterile it's so straight it's uncomfortable um and that i can't that's not my route like i said that's not you but there are people that have come around the juke joint like guys that have popped in just once or twice and never really come back that have very sterile you couldn't like if i were to put them in a line you couldn't pick them out i would like to think okay mustang sally an old cheesy tune. Every cover band has to play it. You know what it is. I don't care how old you are. You know how to play Mustang Sally. I know how to play Mustang Sally. If you put me, you, and one of these really sterile, super strict book learn guys, I would venture to say you could play one and go, oh, that's Steven. And then you could say, okay, here's the next track. Oh, that's Jared. And then equally stand out, yeah. you would go, Oh, that's that other guy because it sounds so, like I said, sterile. And if you put six of those sterile guys in a row, you wouldn't be able to pick out any of them because it's just there's no, there's no feeling to the playing. Yeah. And that, you know, I'll go as far to say I can't abide that. You know, you don't have that problem. All you know, most of the guys we hang out with, Phil and Pat and Cedric, they don't have that problem. They all I could pick their playing out. Phil has a very specific style that he plays songs. Cedric has a very, you know, I mean, that dude, when he gets going, it's very apparent that Cedric is playing. Um, uh, who else was here like the day we did the drummer? Uh, uh, Jeff. Jeff, you know, mm-hmm. Pat, Hugh, Ray Hanser, any of these guys, you could pick them out. So what I would say is, is if you're on the book route, which Jared, I would agree with him, that's a great place to start. I would say, and you may, and please weigh in when I'm done, may or may not agree, if you start with the book, yes. I would venture to say you don't want to end up in the book at the end of your life. No, and I, and I, will, and I will tell you why it is good um, to be able to read, but also be able to feel. Um, when I did the Blue Stars Big Band gig, if I couldn't read, that gig wouldn't have gone as well as it did. Um, so for that big band, I think we had 200 charts in this massive folder, and they would just call it a number, and you would find that number on the top left of the, the music, thumb through it, boom. And a lot of the charts that I had were not technically drum parts. They were I'd have like a first trumpet or a first trombone, Heaven forbid I had a third part, like third trumpet or third saxophone, which is there's no melody line, there's no head. You're kind of embellishing chords. In the general big band music speak, 
And so I had to, one, listen super hard if I had one of those uh, third parts because I'm like, okay, what's going on? You know, I'm playing time, you know, but I, I'm trying to pick up the melody, trying to know when to kick, and then reading the music going, okay, we have a, a, we have a, a strong eighth note. On the end of four, I know I got a kick in the band on four. So one, two, three, bronca, you know, stuff like that. And the kicks are so important in big no, band. No, it is. It's crucial because the tune, like you said, it goes from being sterile and like just bland to where it it's cooking. Cow. Yeah, you know, and then and the and every and that makes everyone together. Yeah, because sometimes, not all horn players have perfect time. Like you'll see even now, like people who will tap their foot. And I use tapping very loosely. Like their, their foot will be all around the beat, and it blows my mind. I'm like, how do you just like thump your leg and play something different? And I've been kind of working on that, watching Dennis Chambers play that one solo. It's open, close, open, uh, which is slow to fast to slow, but he keeps the, the samba going underneath yeah. it. So I've been working on that, and I can kind of understand, but I'm having to work against all this like, that just resides in my body nonstop. And they're just like thumping their foot to whatever. And so when I'm playing, I have to make sure that I am, we're all together. One, two, three, boom, bow. Okay, we're cool. And everyone is together that moment because you'll see feet just boop, 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 boop. You can't, you can't follow. Well, like you're saying, you're having to, you know, you've got the music in front of you, but you're having to find. Yeah. Um, which is the why I think the book, or the rather, the street is so important because for me personally, when I'm playing, obviously... The bass player is your best friend in a band. Yeah. You know, my right foot kick and his right hand, his plucking hand, should be, for the most part, locked in as far as the rhythm section is concerned. But that's really, and I think I misquoted myself when I was on Philip Cron's podcast. I think I led to the, to the you know, the thought that that was the most important thing was the bass player. The bass player is important, and that's the foundation, but I have to admit most of the time I'm taking, and I would consider this kind of like a cover band or a band's version of a horn section. I take most of my cues from the singer. Yes. There is parts of proud Mary where, um, Amber is singing, you know, uh, there's a, I can't remember the words, but there's a part where I'm mimicking on the snare drum with a cymbal hit kind of a loud crack when she does a, a really loud note. Same thing on Stevie Wonder's um, Sign Sealed Delivered. There's a, when she starts um, the uh, a sentence in the middle of the verse, um, she says, uh, something, something said goodbye. And when live, when Stevie does it, when he says the bye part, it's emphasized. Mm -hmm. So when she says bye, and Mandy used to do this too when she sang for the band, I really hard smack the snare and whatever symbol is on my right. So, you know, good bah, like really yeah. to emphasize. So I follow the singer a lot and that's, you know, like I said, this is where the feel and the book or the street, I keep messing that up. The street keeps coming from is once you have all the mechanics down and you know that you're playing the instrument, right? It is up to you to come up with the feel, you know, and really that's where I think pocket comes from. I know that I am not a chops drummer. Yeah. You could be a chops drummer. You have great chops. Um, I never wanted to be a chops drummer, even when I was like 23 and have buckets of energy. Mm -hmm. um, I was way more interested in the pocket. And I would consider myself a good pocket player because I know 
how to sit back and just let the song do the work to serve the song. Um, so when it comes to that whole book versus street, like I would say, you want to start with the book, but you want to end up on the street because that's where your specific sound is going to come from. And all of the things that come together, the music you listen to, the guys you hang around with, yeah. um, the songs you learn just at home that you know. I do it all the time. I play songs and record them here knowing they will never see the light of day other than me listening to them in my car. Um, which reminds me when we're done, I want you to listen to something to see if I <laughs> recorded it. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, all that comes together and then you figure out what kind of drummer you're going to be, you know? Um, and I would imagine, you know, being that I was where you were 14 years ago, um, you're what I would consider in the prime where you're starting to really find out, Oh, this is what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I would imagine you're probably starting your street period, correct? In a way, yeah, because I've been getting to play with more stuff. But I always find myself like trying to read more, even though I have no reason. Which is reason. good to keep up with. Yeah, which I have no reason to read more. But I find that like reading definitely helps me be more structured, Yeah, I guess, in a way. Um, and... I'm trying to get into more like, uh, I guess, more like advanced uh, ways of playing. Yeah, like I'm. I'm well, you always want to get better. Yeah, uh, like I'm starting to try to dig into more of playing like odd groupings of notes and playing in more odd time signatures than I normally do. Yeah, um, just because with what I do, I'm starting to get kind of burnt. It's getting stale, and so and what I always wanted to do, which is play all like i want to get into more even though i don't get a chance to play it i just want to be able to play like the new modern jazz yeah because steven will tell you i'm a big straight ahead jazz player like that's jerry likes two things (laughs) he likes the death of metal yeah and the swingingest of jazz which i always thought was a great combo you don't see that a lot um you're usually a purist for either one yeah and never you know for me it's like I swing hard to, oh, I love Motown, and what's the other side? I don't know, funk? There's <laughs> not a lot of, you know, there's not a lot of pan there. Your pan is metal to Gene Krupa. Yeah. Like, that's a big swing, um, which is probably, I would imagine, or I would go as far to say, at the end of your, you know, uh, period where you're figuring yourself out, which I guess you really never mm. stop. Yeah. But when you get older... That will help you because you'll be way over here and then way over here and then everything in between. Yeah. Um, and Steven, you might even attest to this because whenever we're at the open jam and I get to play, Steven will see me in the back thinking. And it's, it's a look I give. I look up to the right and my eyes go up and I'm playing time, whatever is a solo. And I'm doing the math in my head like, OK, the wheels play- start turning. No, they're playing this and then I'll kind of start throwing stuff out. And I'm thinking I'm like, OK, and all my learned school stuff I'm going through thinking I'm okay to play it across the bar. I need to start on the E of three. That way I'll come up on the end of four and it'll kick in with whatever's going on. And then I'll try to do it. And then Steven will be like, that's good. And he'll be like that. You shouldn't have done that. And I see you. I've seen you do all the time. I can (laughs) tell when you're doing a specific sticking or like a marching sticking. I'm like, yeah, he's working. And I do the same thing, but it's on the opposite side. I don't, you know, while I'm playing and it's like time to do whatever, I'm not thinking, counts 
I know where my pulse is. I start humming whatever in my head and I'm humming ahead of where we are in the tune. So I'm thinking like, oh, they're going to go da, 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 da. And I start humming the melody yeah. in my head and then start converting like, well, what can I do? Can I go to the floor, Tom? Can I go over the bar line? Can I skip a beat and give mm-hmm. some tension? I love, I love building tension. Um, everybody doesn't love that. Like other instruments, guitar players, singers, eh, they don't necessarily like it when drummers create musical tension. Um, yeah, because I've made Matt get off before yes, one time. Everybody, yeah, everybody, we've all done it, but it's fun for drummers, and I think it serves the music sometimes to create that tension. Um, you know, and again, I would argue you can be taught tension as far as like dotted this or like the technical. But the street would be the only place I would say is that where it would teach you when Yeah. like you may know. And I think that's that would be a, an issue I have with a lot of drummers that are mainly like Instagram drummers or YouTube drummers where it's chops based. Mm-hmm. Um, they know what to do. I wouldn't say, you know, not all the time, but a lot of times I don't think they know when. It's the proper time, and I think that's uh, the the perfect you know bridging of the two. Yeah, because I because I you know what to do. Yeah, and I I guess could Lucy say I know not to say you don't, but yeah, if you were to break it down into two parts, you know what to do, and I know when to do it. Yeah, and you have to put those two together, together. otherwise it's bad. It's just going to be a train wreck. (laughs) And I've done fills at the juke joint where I'm I fully go into the fill knowing there's a 50 50 chance I'll pull it out. And there, you know, in the other 50 percent, I'm going to mess it up. And a lot of the times it's like, nope, but I know how to get back on beat where it's like, mm. it's, it's no big deal. I wouldn't do it at a gig. Yeah. But I, at the juke joint, that is one thing that I think both of us Phil included or anybody else that really Cedric doesn't really come out anymore. We get to do things on that Sunday. That's a very free gig. Yeah. Where, hey, man, you worked on a fill all week because I mean, he'll agree with me and you probably would agree with me if you've ever done this. Working on a fill all week at the house does not mean that you can do it in play. Yeah, and it's and that's a, and that's a great space to see like you know even though I don't think fills should be like like okay I'm playing kick left right flam accent but I'm going to rough the kick drum to give it almost a five tuplet feel you know I'm not sitting there in my in my room even though I am notorious in college for writing down. Uh, drum parts and when I should be taking notes in class I still have a couple of books of like of grooves I've written I'm not going that hardcore and then like pulling it out but I guess on the flip side it's like I'm going through all that I'm like okay I think this sound pretty cool it might work out and then I bring it on Sunday and then I do it and no one knows what's going on because there's one thing I played and Steven was like what did, what did you just do I go Okay, it's a pair diddle diddle, right? You accent the beginning of the phrase. You play another pair diddle diddle, but you don't play the first note accented. You play the second note of the pair diddle diddle, which is on the left hand. So it'd be digga 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 digga. So it gives you this uh uh, and it's a real short jab. And then I'd play just the gallop, the one yan, two yan. So this could be three yan, four yan. Da 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 da. But I only accent the left hand. Yeah. So it'd be the dot dot dot. Yeah. And, yeah, then, yeah. and then you come back on one. And it has this weird uh 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 and then you gotta get back on the one. I know where the one is at, but everyone playing is like 
And that's the street. Yeah. He knows it from the the sticking pattern and reading it. And I have to see somebody do it or hear it. And then all I can do in my head is drum speak it to myself. Yeah. So that's my shortfall is if you were to say, well, there it is right there on the chart. It would take me 30 minutes to just get through reading it. Yeah. And then go, okay, now I can transfer it to when it easily I could just just like Nick Cannon. Well, just play it for me, man. Yeah. And then I got it, you know, and then I can remember what I heard or what I saw. Um, and I, I noticed you've been doing it lately on Sundays that <laughs> marching stick thing where you come over and you flip. Oh, the high mom. And, yeah. Yeah. And you do it on the hi hat yeah. <laughs> and it, from a drummer's standpoint, <laughs> it sounds and looks so cool. The best, the rest of the band does not like it. No. Okay. So anyone who doesn't know what a high mom is, a high mom is a flashy visual that you do for playing um, a herita. And a herita is just, Single diddles. So instead of being, instead of going right, right, drum left, speak it, drum so, speak so, it. Instead of going dig it out, dig it out, dig it out, you'll do singles dig it out, dig it out, dig it out, dig it out. And so the high mom is you'd still play the the stroke, but you take your stick and you flick it across your hand and come back to dig it out, dig it out. And I'll play that. And where it places, I'm like, okay, it's just a diddle. And where I would play my left hand going, like, look, look at the look at the flick at the flick at the diggle, diggle, diggle. And, and it like, looks so cool. It looks cool. And, and it, it sounds cool yeah. from a drummer's perspective. I can see where it's a little tense. Um, I can see where it's a little tense <laughs> for a band member to, uh, you know, uh, kind of follow that. You know, it, yeah. g- it gives the... Um, it gives the uh, the the feeling of... It's like... Almost anticipation because it's not very loud when I do it. Because sometimes, of oh, of latencion, latencion, of latention. <laughs> um, so I can see, and and like I said, that's where the whole when you should do it. Yeah. Granted, Sundays is not the, but if you were to do that on a gig, like if you had to film for me, everybody in the band would go. No, I would definitely not because not my friend. No, I definitely would not. No, there's some stuff I might would like. I would definitely ease myself into, but I think Sunday is the proving ground. Is like, does this work in a contextual setting? And if you play it with that particular song, I might try it across three different tunes to see. Okay, we're gonna play. Yeah. Brennan's like, okay, we're gonna play some pop punk stuff. Okay, cool. Okay, it works in that. Now we're gonna play Valerie. Yeah, I might try it in Valerie. Okay, does not does, does not, not sit well. Does not sit well. But I'll I kind of learn when and and where I can kind of throw it in. Well, it's the same thing. I I remember when I found out about playing over the bar line. The best. Somebody introduced me to gospel chops, <laughs> and I jumped all over it. Like a lot of us, I'm sure we see it on Instagram. We see it on YouTube. And we're like, oh, I want to do that. And I got good at a couple of licks and. About three or four gigs into doing that, somebody came up to me and was like, yeah, I'm going to need you to stop playing <laughs> over the bar line on Give Me One Reason or Mustang Sally. It is not the time to do that. Yeah. And I, was, and I had to be, you know, mature enough to understand like, yes, you're right. So that is the kind of the, the crux of that is knowing when you should do that as opposed to what you can do, yeah, you know? And I guess a lot of that is boiling down to the book is what you can do. Yeah. But the street is going to show you when and where you can do that. And why I think is a big question. Why should you do it? Uh, there's a great quote. I wish I had the book in front of me. 
I'm going to paraphrase the quote. The book is uh, The Stoic Drummer. If you've never heard of that, uh, it's a little book of sayings and affirmations and stuff like that that was written by Jose, I think it's Medias. Great book. You can find it on Amazon, The Stoic Drummer. But it's got a bunch of great little sayings and reminders in there. And one of them, I'm totally paraphrasing, probably going to mess it up, basically spits out the fact that only play something when you're sure that you shouldn't play it. Like, or what it would sound like had you not played that. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, knowing which is uh, who's the great drummer, or is it Miles Davis that said, uh, it's the notes you don't play? Yeah, it's, yeah, I think it's Miles Davis, it's the notes you don't play. Which guys will rip on that, but that, you know, that saying, but I think that saying is very true. Um, sometimes it is the stroke that you don't hit. When you lay off, you know, don't like James Brown beat. Everybody knows what the James Brown beat is. You don't hit the second snare on the four. You hit it on the and. You wait one eighth note. And that's where you get the James Brown funky stuff from. So in a lot of cases, I think it is maybe opposing the Instagram formula. Not so much what you can do or how much you can do, but maybe don't. Yeah. You know, or how the, you know, for me serving the song, um, I do it here when I record stuff for myself and for the channel all the time. I'm like, no, just play with the song. And for me, like I said, I'm listening to the singer or the horns or whatever. That'll give me the idea for the fill. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, my right foot's probably following the bass player or the general pulse of what's going on. But um, as far as the creative stuff, if they do a little Whoa, run, I might do a a flurry around the toms that kind of falls with that or play against it to give l'attention. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And I catch myself whenever I get to kind of play the chicken with Dakota, um, they'll let me like take a solo, but I'll play the head. Um, If anyone doesn't know what the main, what the head is, the head is like the the main part of the tune. Um, And so, when I'm playing, I'll be thinking, because he'll just play the downbeat or the chord changes. Uh, Dakota will. So you have like, and then the the lead part is, there's a lot of space in between that head. A lot of room to play. A lot of room. And so Dakota will just play the the downbeat or each of the beginning of the phrase, or he'll play just parts of the phrase. And I got to play around it. And so I'll sing that the entire time. And then I'll get a little funky and I'll do like a dotted eighth or something on cross of it, which gives this almost Jay Dilla type feel, which is the whole Neo Soul trip hop thing uh, that he was big for, for just chopping up jazz tunes with the beat and it sounds kind of off. I'll play that kind of thing. And I get a lot of David Garibaldi influence on that too, from yeah. his back to Oakland. Oh, that's a great, David Garibaldi is a great one too. Uh, yeah. Man. Oh, I love watching Tower of Power videos where he is just that. And he plays with, it almost looks like he's not doing anything. Yeah. The sticks just kind of fall out. Oh, 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 you know, and it's, mm-hmm. oh. The greatest example, I guess, that we're talking about with the David Garibaldi example, look up back to Oakland drum solo. And it is one of the, the craziest things I've ever seen because it starts out this cool groove. I've been trying to learn it because it's a very odd how he thracks the snare on. Yeah. Like, I think it's like the E of one, but then it alternates. It's got this weird kind of like 
<laughs> because you have a you have a constant ostinato in the background from the conga player. That stays constant the entire piece, never changes. And even when he gets into the solo that he gets to go, the conga player doesn't stop. Yeah. And he's making this tension across by playing and he has this weird almost like triplet based uh I guess it's almost considered like a half note triplet. So if you think a quarter triplet is da 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 it's it's a little funky. Well and to even take the point further, you're giving the book answer right yeah. now. Let me give you the street answer. <laughs> Look up Tower Power if you've never looked up Tower Power. Not only are they one of the most prolific funk bands, huge band. Yeah. Rhythm section, drummer, percussionist, horns. Look them up. Just go look up Tower Power. Really, anything you're going to see and probably what's going to pop up, um, you know, number one in the search is going to be their top three funkiest hits. Yeah. Just go look them up. You don't have to look up David Garibaldi because they did have several drummers over the course of their career, even though I think they still play. They go do. look up Tower Power. I mean, yeah. wow. I'm, I have been considering recording here just for myself in the in the house. Uh, a, a lesser known Tower Power, and you'll like it because you'll go listen to it. Called Squib Cakes, S Q U I B. Oh no, Squib Cakes. You know, uh, did they did a little homage because uh, Dennis Chambers did the Zoljan Live thing for December. Did he do that? And so, um, Spud Searight did like an homage to like Dennis Chambers' career. And there's a bit in the middle of one of the two of this whole piece he composed for him, and it's Squib Cakes in the middle of it, and the whole crowd goes crazy. I'm like, I think that's it. I go with the comments, oh, they did squib cakes for like 45 seconds. It was just crazy. I was like, oh, my God, this is because how he played. Like he played a solo over the groove, but it wasn't a solo. It was just still the groove from that tune. But then he plays out of it going. It was it was awesome. S-Q-U-I-B cakes, squib cakes. Look it up by Tower Power. Look up any Tower Power. But yeah. That is a, that's a really cool drum beat. That's not super hard. Um, some of those Tower Power tunes you know, Oakland Stroke. Um, I guess I wouldn't consider what is hip a very hard drum beat, um, but some of them can get. Yeah. Um, you know, if you look up Tower Power, what is hip is probably going to be the first thing that pops up. Yeah. Oakland Stroke, back to Oakland. Um, do yourself a favor. If you've never wanted to check out Funk or never found Tower Power, I promise. Yeah. <laughs> That's a really good example of, you know, David Garibaldi's a, a highly technical drummer but developed his own sound and knows when to play. And when that's a very good example that we stumbled on of the book meeting the street in a nice, maybe 50, 50, you know, relationship. And then to even take it one step further, an example that deals with us completely uh, was, I want to say it was like three or four weeks ago when I had my phone out, I was working through uh seven 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 ninety three eleven and then I'm like I'm messing up and then Steven's on the couch on the other side he pulls it up on his telephone listens to it he goes oh you're missing this doesn't see anything on the music doesn't have the chart I have pulled up he's just listening to it going oh there's a left right there I believe yeah play the left again and I was still struggling to get it because I'm looking through all the sticking what's going on and then I'm going through that but then he's just listening to it Telling me, no, I think you, I think he's playing it this way. You know, you need to lay back on that more. And I think that's a really good. Well, but that's, that's the case in which the book had to come to the aid. I always get it backwards. The, the street, street 
yeah. had to come to the aid of the book. But recently, involving you and me, the book had to come to the aid of the street because that Steve Winwood tune, um, the one I made you listen Higher to. Higher Love. Higher Love. In the, I think he plays like a bar of four, a bar of four, a bar of four, and a bar of five to start the song. That's not too bad. Yeah. There's the midsection when they're doing the whatever that is, if it's the bridge or the breakdown, whatever yeah. it is. I couldn't figure out for weeks the count to get through that section because it's not four all the way through. It's not just one, two, three, four, one, two. And I tried. All the different ways to work out in my you know, in my way. And finally I you were over here doing whatever, maybe setting up for this. I think it was I think it was the same day. That you, because I did the seventh, and you're like, well, since hey, you're doing this, check this out real quick. Yeah, I think it was the so same day. The street had to have the help of the book because I had to have him sit down and count it out for me. And then it ended up just being like however many bars of four and then a bar of three, or however many bars of four yeah. and a bar of seven. Yeah, it was the um, seven because it's the way they phrased it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is, we always make fun of like guitar players or any other non drummers because they'll say, you know, say you have a, a song in six, eight. Yeah. If you don't know a blues song, no, da, yeah, da, three, da. four, right? Well, no, I'm saying oh. if it's say for us, the, yeah. the song is in six, eight, you know, like a, a blues pattern, boom, 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 and then like a non drummer will say, oh, well, you know, it's just a three, four, and then you go, well, I mean, technically, you're not wrong, but if you played it in three, four, feel it's not the same, it wouldn't sound the same because. Because you say three, four, it's one, two, three, one, two, three, like six, waltz, eight. You know. Yeah, six, eight is one, two, three, four, five, six, one, two, three, four, five, six. And and a lot of fo- folks will get a little, I even get all overthinking and be like, oh, well, it's just, it just play triplets in four. I'm like, so is it in 12, eight or is it in six, eight? They're like, <laughs> what? I'm like, if and that's if, where the book would say, or the street would say, Dude, just follow the pulse. Yeah. Come on, man. Because yeah. <laughs> I'm back here going, okay, it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and nine, seven, twelve. And I'm trying to get the groupings and phrasings on what I think is right. And then I'll, okay, maybe it's just six, eight. Still on six, eight. Well, then actually it's three, four, and I'm just overthinking it. Or it's, I have it backwards. It's, yeah. I'm thinking of three, four, and it's actually whatever it is. Yeah. And I know we're throwing a lot at you as far as like, how I feel about things and how he reads a lot of things. Yeah. Um, but that, you know, begs the question for all you that are watching, um, you know, if you feel like it weigh in on the chat, did you teach yourself how to play or were you like Jared? Did you come up through the school system or in private lessons? Um, and how do you feel that that, you know, shaped the way you play or are you kind of like me, which is half and half, Half of my life, I came up totally teaching myself, and now I do feel the need where I have drum books and I have to read certain things, and I have to really learn to not always rely just on the pulse. I have to actually count out those quarter notes or eighth notes or whatever it is to get the odd feels of like Steve Winwood and some of those songs that have, you know, there's Rush yeah. is all about odd, t- you know, so... You know, if if if, if you're kind of like that, you know, let us know. And has anybody even weighed in on the chat here sh- recently? Uh, no, not recently. Well, yeah, oh. if you if you feel like weighing in, let us know. You know, if you agree with what we've even been saying, or if you fall into one or both categories. Because, um, like I said, I knew we were going to differ at the front end of this, but I think as long as you're not hard headed about it, yeah, because there are some, you know, there's some guys that'll just tell you like, no. The book is the Bible, and you yeah. don't leave the book. I think for certain situations that is called for, but yes. I th- but I think it's highly dependent 
on the music you're playing, whether you're playing like straight drum set and like a pop situation, or if you get to the more modern jazz stuff, where yeah. all that actually has to line up because you're playing these complicated figures. Or, or on the adverse side of it, somebody might say, well, no, man, the street is the only way to go, and you can only do it by feel. And it's like, okay, well, go figure out that rush tune or go figure out you know, something that's in seven. Yeah, I, I like to try to have someone try to count to be Dance of Eternity uh, who's never counted before in their life. And that tune is nothing but time signature changes. Yeah. You got 15, 16 followed for a bar, then 13, 16. Then you're hitting seven, eight. Then I think it's like five, eight. And then you go to three, four, 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 seven, four, three, four. And you can't do that if you're no. just going, oh man, I'm feeling it, bro. Like, eh, you're not going to feel your way through that. I think... I think it was Tommy Igo said that you the the start goal is to not feel it; it's to know how to play it to then feel it. I no, think, I, I would agree with that. Yeah, because I, I forget who it was. It's like you shouldn't just feel everything; you should definitely no. know why it's there. And then when once you are comfortable with it, you can then feel it. I was talking with Amber about met, using a metronome, mm. um, and it kind of emphasizes what you just said. Like when I'm learning a new sticking pattern or if it's a rudiment I've never really worked with I will do exactly that I will start by getting it under my hands and knowing that let's just say if I didn't know what a paradiddle was yeah. you, you gotta know it's right left right right left right left left and go from there um, but once I have it under my hands and I played it you know say maybe for a couple of weeks 60 BPM, 70 BPM, 80, 90, 100, up until whatever the comfortable range is. Then from that point, I don't use the metronome anymore. And I tell myself, no, because that metronome is not going to be there when you're playing live. And natural time, you know, from here is not metronomic. It's yeah. not going to be sterile. You yeah. know, um, I've had I've had to play with clicks a lot with the cover band. I don't mind it. Um it's not hard once you get used to it, but I will admit a lot of times the more organic feel for me is the way to go. Um, it feels better. Mm -hmm. I don't like always being limited by a click. And I've heard a lot of famous drummers talk about how the click really can limit the organic evolution of how a song might change that night to this night. Or, yeah. you know, you come up with those crazy little fills sometimes where you even impress yourself. You're like, Holy, well, did I just do that? Yeah. Sometimes maybe that's not going to happen with a metronome kicking. Um, yeah. but I would agree, get it under your hands first, make sure you're doing it right. Make sure the technique is there. But for me, you might not agree after that, then I throw the metronome away. No more. Like I know I've got it. I know I'm playing it right now. I've got to make it fit into my own pulse as far as my own natural time. I don't know if, you agree with that or not? Uh, kinda, slightly. Um, I, I definitely attack me. Uh, I definitely think that there should be a strong sense of time. I think a metronome should always be present, <coughs> for the most part. I mean, I know fake news. I know that like <laughs> there should definitely be um, like something has to be like going like it's. If you're gonna like, I don't. I'm, I might be like stumbling now, but I mean, at some point you can give the metronome, but I believe you should have extremely solid time to thus, yes. to thus give it up. You you have to make sure that your natural time is good. Yeah. Can you just you know? Can you hold a tempo and not you know 
wildly swing from one tempo to the other. Because I'm sure we both know people that are technically called players, yeah. like from around here, that you know you can audibly hear in time. And I don't mean from the start of a song to the end where you got excited and you started at one tempo and you ended up here. I mean from bar to bar, you can hear it. Even before you get to the bar to bar, they'll count it off. And then when you go to the downbeat on yeah. the next bar, it's already plus or minus yeah. 10 to 15 clicks. <laughs> I mean, that that is one thing that I will get upset over um, is you count me in a tune or I count you in and then whatever I just did has no bearing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, some things can be helped. Some things cannot be helped. I know sometimes in in my band, uh, my best friend for years, he's my guitar player. I'll count us in like one, two, one, two, three, four, and he'll get like right away. And I'm like, Taylor, what are you doing? He's like, What? I was like, You got to be. We're here. And it's like, and you're slightly behind it, you know. And then sometimes I'll be like, You just start to send, and I'll just hang back, and I'll because I don't, I don't start for like four bars. I'll just let him just lead us in. Like, if you want to go this slow, we'll go this slow. Yeah, no, I agree. Like sometimes yeah. <laughs> it's better, like we said earlier, just to like <laughs> you tell me where you want this to be, and yeah. I'll follow you. It happened to me at the juke joint. You were there um, maybe two or three weeks ago, and it doesn't matter who was doing it. Um, it doesn't matter what she was playing, mm -hmm. but she was playing guitar and she was singing. I, you might have been outside, and I told Amber about this. Um, she was singing at one pace and playing the guitar at a completely different speed, and it was in 6-8. Yeah. But if she was playing, say, the guitar at, yeah. do, 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 cat, do, do, she was singing at, do, 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 cat. and even Dakota ran in from the back because they needed him to play, and he jumped up, and he even did it. When he went to jump in, he went and kind of stuttered his first note because her two tempos were so opposed. And I was like, how do you, number one, play something at one speed and sing over it at a different speed. Yeah. And then there was a guy out in the crowd. He was annoying me. He was like, come on, man, start. He was like going, what? Like, like, I don't know where the one is. Yeah. And then I, I couldn't find the tempo because like I said, her hand was doing one thing and she was singing the other. And I'm like, Dakota came in, stuttered his note, and I even stuttered my first couple of notes coming in mm -hmm. till I either found what she was doing or I forced her to come to a one time instead yeah. of two. So, you know, it's 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 weird sometimes how you have to, like we said, be flexible you yeah. know, about that. Um, is somebody uh, weighing yeah, in? Yeah, um, it's like Wailing Drums and GW573. Uh, Both but, two guys that have been weighing in greatly on the you know the past couple episodes. Yeah, well, here's my question to you fellas. Uh, y'all had a message, and I was trying to read them, but then y'all retracted. Because um, I definitely would like to have some more opinions. Um, so feel free. Uh, I don't think you're going to Weigh hurt. in, guys. Yeah. Come on. I don't think I, you're gonna... Waylon, you teach online lessons. I know you have an opinion on this subject. And GW, if you have an opinion, please, like, it's very open here, and we don't expect everybody to agree with us so if you have an opposing opinion or like we said in the first video if you want to call us idiots yeah we are like please weigh in don't feel like you have to retract the yeah. comment um we're not going to jump on you I, I that's the whole point of you know when we started this podcast we had two options you can do it like joe rogan and some of the really mm -hmm. big podcasters where you literally just record the podcast 
chop out the weird parts and put it up. Yeah. Or you can go live. And I wanted the live because I really wanted y'all to be able to weigh in in real time. So if you had something to say and you still want to say it, please weigh in. Cause you know, yeah. that would be the best part about us doing these live shows is having, you know, another input. Yeah. And you're not going to hurt our feelings. No, you're no. not. I, I mean, know you, Waylon, I know you number one. So I, I would value your opinion, even if it was totally opposed to what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, and GW, uh, if you have something to say, that is the whole, like I said, that's the whole point. You're not going to, you're not going to bother us by uh, putting something in the chat that is even diametrically opposed to what is something coming in. I did not know this. I'm like really sad right now. What? Um, Waylon Drum says, hey, guys, not sure if you've heard because this news was just announced. But sadly, Chick Korea has passed away. I thought it'd be nice to honor him by giving a little mention. Oh, wow. Like, yeah. I'm assuming he means today. Yeah, but see, I'm assuming today because wow. I've heard nothing. No, I didn't see anything either. Um, that, yeah, uh, and if again, if you if you don't know who Chick Corea is, um, phenomenal, amazing, not just a piano player, musician, yeah, in musician, general. and I would probably say go as far to say a musical genius, yeah, in his own right, um, played with the greats, everybody, he, yeah. Every drummer that we ideal, uh, idolize has at played, some point yeah. has sat in on an album or did like a special little video with Chick Corea. So, yes, um, everybody, you know, kind of take a moment, you know, because that is much like when Prince passed. And, yeah. you know, some of the big guys that have passed in the past decade, that is, you know, noteworthy to lose somebody like Chick Corea. And if you don't know who Chick Corea is, as soon as this video is done, Go on to YouTube. You're already here, and go look up Chick Corea. You will. I mean, he's had so many really good drummers play with yeah. him. It is from a drummer's perspective, you're not going to be bored. No, um, you're not. Definitely not going to. You know, regret taking five minutes out of your time to go check yeah. out Chick Corea. You might find that you found a new favorite artist. Yeah, I mean, um, he with all the electric stuff that he did, and then his more stripped back that he did with Bobby McFerrin, uh, the the classic, you know, don't worry, doom, doom. yeah, Bobby McFerrin sings extremely well. If you yes. know him outside of just that song, as yeah, everybody knows that song, but yeah, but he has other stuff that he does, and then they did a a concert, um, before Bobby died, of course. I don't remember. It's probably like their two thousands, early two yeah. thousands of. It was just Korea on piano and uh, Bobby McFerrin. Just, wow. just it was it was so cool because you just got Chick playing piano, super cool, laid back, and then you got Bobby, just his voice. That was it. That was the whole hour long concert, and that was really cool just to hear a stripped back version because they they were both like musical. Yeah, I'm gonna Google Richie talking uh, some of his drummers. I know um, Dave Weckles one. Um, yeah, for sure. But I, I'm sure there's got to be um, uh, 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 just a handful of guys that have played um, with him over the. You know, he's had such a um, such a long career. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, what is this saying? Um, Chick Corea. Um, but yeah, like we were saying, th that's that is very sad news. Um, so if you have time tonight. Take a moment and go check out some of his work. It's definitely, um, uh, it's definitely worth. Uh, oh yeah, worth a listen. Um, and that's you know that's a sad thing. That is going to happen, and obviously it happens all the time because that's life. Yeah. But there's a lot of people that we all look up to 
drummers and just musicians in general that, you know, it's happening more often and often. Yeah. All of those guys that came up in those generations from the 70s or even the 80s, they're getting to the age where they're all starting to pass away. Yeah. Um, luckily, I don't think we've had any drummers that, you know, like the, the, the big, like super famous drummers. I don't think anybody has passed away recently, huh? I think the most recent one is Neil Peart. I think. Yeah. Okay. See? Yeah. You know, and, and no, I think that was the most recent was Pert. That that's a huge. I mean, I'm sure there were a lot of people that were actually like genuinely heartbroken. Yeah. When, you know, when he passed away, I know there's going to be, uh, for me, for me personally, because it was literally, you know, when we were talking earlier about how I came up playing, um, another way that I, I say it all the time, jokingly, but it really is true. Carter Beaufort, yeah, the Dave Matthews Band, and that's the cool thing about. Carter Beaufort is most people don't like the Dave Matthews band, which I can understand taste. If I'm you don't one like, of them. you know, but I've never met a person seriously, a hundred percent never met a, a person. Doesn't have to be a drummer, just a musician or a music lover in general. They eat, might hate the Dave Matthews band, but not only do they number one, know who Carter Beaufort is. They think he's amazing. That's me. You know, yeah. he is, you don't have to like that band. He's yeah. one of the most prolific drummers that's going to come out of, you know, my generation um, and will probably go down in history, at least in my opinion, as big as Neil Peart. And when that dude, hopefully a long time from now, passes yeah. away, that'll be one of those ones that literally like I I will be I will be heartbroken. Yeah. You know, I, I'm I'm not looking forward. I know he's getting up there um, is Peter Erskine. And I told you this yesterday um, with Bob Getson as a. Uh, has Alzheimer's, Alzheimer's, um, which is, I think everyone here has, has watched a Bob Gatson video. If you've ever w- like Googled or watched a video on YouTube on how to tune something, yeah, how to tune a kick drum, how to tune a tom, more than likely, even if you may not have watched it, you if you didn't watch it, you passed up his thumbnail. But yep. if you've ever looked up, and there's more to him than just that, but if you've ever looked up a video on how to tune something, Bob Gadsden has been in that feed of videos because he did them, what, for Evans? Yes, for Evans. Uh, those were over 11 years ago. Yeah. I mean, like, besides all the other stuff he did in his career, he's probably, at least as far as YouTube and the digital community, known for the master of tuning. Yeah. I mean, you know, you were telling Derek last night all the other stuff he did, like. Yeah, you know, the EMAD, uh, the Mini MAD. Um, so the EMAD drum heads everyone used by Evans. Um, that was a big thing of his. Then he made the mini mad, which is what you put on your snares and toms, kind of the same idea, a little latch thing. He made the drum frame, which you said Chad Kenton, our local guy, uses. Uh, the drum frame is like all your drums are lifted off the ground at an angle, and you're in like a like a racing chair type like a deal. spaceship. Yeah, and so your whole body um, is leaned back, and your legs have like all this you know free room to be able to play smoother. That was a Bob Gatson thing. Pure sound snare wires. Um, he had a huge deal on that. So anyone who plays, they're the best. Evan, Evan Heads are the pure snare, snare wires. They're the that best was, snare wires, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah, that was all Bob Gat. That was not all Bob. Was a, a good chunk was Bob Gatson. I mean, sometimes I prefer the cheap snare wires, yeah. which I'll be talking about in a couple of upcoming videos if you want to check them out. But sometimes I prefer the cheap snare wires for that sound. But otherwise. Pure Sound is the gold standard yeah. for every. They make every type of different weird form of snare you can think of. Even like vintage reproduction. Yeah, like I know for that sixty-three super sensitive, I have Pure Sounds on there. I want to get the ones they make that are like the old silk wrapped cord style. Yeah, 
they make a a wrapped kind of mm-hmm. cord style snare and for those two vintage pieces I picked up not the um not the one we showed the picture of earlier but the other two yeah I was thinking about picking up a set of those for those to recreate that sound you know with a modern yeah edge to it besides the fact that they were forty forty nine ninety nine for yeah, a set expensive. which is I love you pure sound but I don't always have fifty dollars for a a set of snare yeah. wires. That's uh that's really pushing it. But thank you, Waylon, for mentioning that and everybody, like I said, uh that is very noteworthy. And if you haven't ever, please go check Chick Korea out. That's um that is actually a big loss, you know, yeah. to the music community. And it's gonna happen. Obviously it's natural that it's gonna happen. It's it's yeah. how life works, but a lot of the people that we idolize are getting up there. Yeah. I you mean, know. Um, hopefully we, none of them pass away and uh, they have very long lives. I'm not trying to yeah. foreshadow anything, yeah. but you know, it's uh fruitful careers. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then granted we are lucky that there's a lot of guys that are, uh, I guess my age ranging to your age that are coming up. Yeah. That are going to give us, um, Carter McClain, Carter McClain. I'm still waiting for Sput Searite to do even more crazy stuff with everything. The little young cat, uh, Jason Necrutman is it? That is, is that his name? The little the guy that always does the Buddy Rich. Yeah, yeah. Um, Grayson, sorry, yeah. Grayson Necrutman. I don't know how to spell his last name. It's like N E K R U T M A N. You, if you're on Instagram, you more than likely have seen. He's the one that will like put the Buddy video up on his laptop and then play that solo or the what note for lick for lick. He is stroke like for stroke. Somebody called him in the comment section the other day our buddy rich yeah like he is amazing i think he's gonna bring the big band revival back and that's the book speaking right there that i'm sure he's got some street in him he seems very young so i'm sure it's not a lot but yeah that's the proof that the book will lead you to i mean it's endless the amount you know just like anything if you if you read about something if you have books on math i mean you can learn so much so it's just like anything if you have all the information in front of you, the sky is really the limit. That kid is a perfect example yeah. of like, wow. I don't know how old he is. I would guess he's 16 or 17, maybe 15. Yeah. But if you haven't seen Grayson play, look it up on YouTube. And if you follow anything on drums, it'll probably pop up on your Instagram feed. Yeah, he is. And he doesn't, he's not just great with swaying and, copying buddy rich licks i've seen him do pop songs i've seen him do like fusion type songs i've seen him do rush he can play and he does it all with a four piece yep one up one down crash ride i don't even think he uses a second crash some some videos he'll do yeah Uh, like whenever i think he was doing like one buddy concert he had a, a splash in the middle and the two crashes because he did the because Buddy used to do the up down where you'd crash from the bottom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he would do that going across everything, and then he had the splashers to do the old school choke sounds. But I mean, and the, another important thing he does is he only plays traditional grip, which is not the thing anymore. It's a very, I, it's dying. I mean, down here on the coast, we're we're the last section of people who in, in the state of Mississippi who still do traditional grip. And really. Yeah, uh, the old like Ocean Springs doesn't play traditional anymore. Like, oh, you're talking about marching, marching, yeah, marching wise. Like, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's because it, uh, everyone in the marching world plays flat drums. Yeah, okay, for uniformity. Yeah, that's the whole thing. Because so you have to look everyone for visuals. Look this, for visuals, 
And so everyone I is, didn't know that. Yeah, so everyone That's is weird. everyone's starting to play starting to start to play match grip down here cuz we're one of the few cuz whenever I went to Summer Drumming I played a traditional super slanted snare yeah, drum yeah. like almost at a 45 degree angle. Like whenever, like whenever I put my le- my stick in my left hand, like that was my that's how angled my drum was because that was that's my natural playing position right there. That's I, that's really and then that's quite surprising. Then that, everything gets flat, and then you start having to move your shoulder. And then you have to literally then you have to chicken wing and drop your left shoulder, so you're playing like this. And un- then, you're playing uncomfortably, probably. Yeah, and so now you're just going. Yeah, just play, up, just yeah, play match just grip. Play match grip. That's weird. I would think that the marching society or that arena would be the last haven or holdout for traditional grip. That's it was, really and weird. Now it's now it's slowly dying. Do you people, think there will become a day where I don't want to see it? I don't I mean and I'm I'm not a traditional player and I'm really terrible with traditional grip, but I even would agree it would be a very sad day when you didn't see anybody using traditional yeah, grip that, anymore. Because the whole reason behind traditional grip was from marching drummers because they had a drum on a sling. And, and that's and that to me is like is such like an important part of like the yeah. history of what we do. Well, and and, the, and you'll hear the guys make the argument, "Well, you just can't hit as hard with uh, um, lies." Ver- lies. If you've never heard of the molar, like there are video. Uh, there might not be videos, but I've seen There's in person some. Dom Famularo, which he's right right yeah. here on the wall. If you don't know who Dom Famularo is, great educator drummer who works for Sabian and Mapex, I think. I believe. Yeah, um, I think he's with Mapex now. But he. Um, he would all. He came to do a clinic, God, ten years ago at Magnolia Music, um, and he told the story about um, going to do a lesson, and you know, by this time the guy is seventy or eighty years old, and he kind of shuffles up to the snare drum, and with traditional grip, with the molar stroke, which if you don't know what the molar stroke is, just look it up on a video after this, um, with almost no motion, hits the loudest single stroke with the left hand, yeah. not with your, you know, he's a right-handed guy, not with your strong hand, and just does that molar whipping motion, and it just, wow! And Dom Famular, or Dom Famular was blown away by the power that you could get. And I've seen, over the course of my life, plenty of professional, you know, God-tier level drummers talk about, that is, like you said, complete lies, that you can't hit as hard with your left hand traditional than you can with match grips. Some guys can actually hit harder than probably both of us yeah. using either molar or just whatever technique they use for their traditional grip. Another perfect example is Keith Carlock. Yeah. And he plays. I, I will never forget being at Southern Miss, Marty Hurley, uh, who was the uh, percussion director for Phantom Regiment for the longest time, whenever Dr. Wooten uh, was marching, he was there. And he did a couple of the drum camps. And I was... I guess fortunate and lucky enough that I had practiced my butt off to be able to get placed into his group. And he had 16 by 16 marching field drum that was custom made for him that his wife got for him. Uh, Cause he was in the air force. Like the rope tune style. There's a the rope old, tension. The, 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 the rope revolutionary tension. war style. Yep. It was a rope tension drum. Um, 16 by 16 heavy solid. I mean, that was a, a legit, that was a drum with the, had the calf heads and everything. With the with the guts over the top, not the bottom, because the guts go over the top. I think his was actually double gutted, so he had guts on top and bottom for that drum. It's funny that you mentioned that. I was because I stay on eBay, like probably like you, constantly looking for stuff, great little finds and little treasures. 
there popped up a, uh, I don't know how old, but it was obviously vintage, um, probably pre nineteen hundred, like pre turn of the century, the other century. Yeah. Um, rope tune, and it was the like the one that has the eagle on it. So you, it might, maybe it wasn't a actual Revolutionary War drum, but it was definitely you could tell by looking at it. It was pre nineteen hundred, and it was rope tuned. It was like you're talking about the sixteen by whatever, yeah. whatever that is, eighteen twenty. Yeah. And it was eight thousand five hundred dollars. Those drums are no joke. I mean, because yeah. they're because those are made with steam. They're all probably all steam bent. There's no plies. No one did that. I love I mean, watching those videos with the, you know, the army group that does oh, Hellcats. Jeff Prospery. Wow, another great, great player. Look that up on YouTube. That's cool because I would imagine there's no way to get the tension up quite as high as like a modern snare drum. Yeah. So the arm and wrist strength that it would take to pull out some of those strokes that they're playing and those patterns, like doing crazy army or whatever, yeah. anything like that. I couldn't imagine because that's like trying to do it on a loosely tuned floor tom. It's even it think of like you're trying to play a double stroke on like a mound of jello. Or a pillow. There, like guys yeah, that practice on yeah, pillows. Because there's there's nothing there. I never forget I was there as my first year with Marty Hurley and he is a was a, a tiny man. I mean he was very small, very skinny, just like this. I'm like, there's no way this man is and then he asked me to play a five stroke and I was like, okay, cool. Cause he was kind of like surprised by me being the only one with a slanted yeah. snare drum. He's like, I remember the first, he goes, I see you kid. I remember the first, he goes, he goes, he gets it. He goes, all of you guys need to follow suit. <laughs> cause, cause there was a couple of the brother Martin kids where he taught at and their drums were angled, but not like mine. Yeah. Like mine was stout. Like we had to do back sticking. I'm going like my whole elbows coming up to the back sticking part that he wrote for us. Um, he comes up to my drum. I was like, I've heard stories. I'm like, I heard he plays hard. So you see how big of a guy I am. And he made us play other carriers on, no stands. He was very, he's very old school. And he comes up and goes, no, slow your five. I go, what? Slow your five. So I play it. He's like, not enough. And he comes up and then he does it. Am I, I, I fell over. Like I was not prepared for this <laughs> small man to come up and do it. And then he gets out his, his field drum, puts the big leather strap across the yeah. harness, throws it on, and then he's playing, and playing these 11 and 13 and 15 stroke rolls, and they're all even. Because he had the technique down. Yeah, and it was and it was just insane that a small man was playing all these thick, massive Cooperman sticks too. Yeah. I mean, just pulling out these it's notes. It's very cool. I love, could never do it. Not that I could never, you know, but... Uh, not that I want to go get a eight thousand dollar, yeah, Revolutionary War drum and try to start working that stick. But I love watching that stuff. It is some of the coolest stuff. And like you said, you know, the historical part of where that comes from and why they hold the sticks the way they do, and that shows you why traditional was what it is. Yeah, it will be a very sad day that we don't see. You know, that'll be part of the book that is gone. Yeah, because I don't want to see that. Because that is that to me is like fundamental. It's like when you go through learning. That was one of the first few things that like they explained to us was like, do you want to know why you play traditional grip? I was yeah. like, yeah, why do we do this? It's like, because our pad is flat and this hurts my shoulder. It's like, well, he goes on our stand and he loosens it and cocks it. And that's why you play traditional. That's why, I was like, it was on your leg yeah, when you were on that Civil War field or whatever. Yeah. There's a reason. And there's always a reason. There's a reason why, you know, drum set players have evolved to what we have evolved to today. Yep. But there's also a reason why 
you know, traditional was the way it was. And like I said, when that's gone, that's part of the book that I don't think needs to be thrown out. And I'm not even a traditional player. Yeah. And I would still argue you need that. Um, I will argue for the book in a lot of cases, even though I push for the street most of the time. Um, but I think that is kind of, you know, how we can wrap up that this whole big thought we've been rambling on for for almost two hours. Yeah. Um, yes, you need the book, right? Yeah. Um, yes, you need the street, right? Right. Um, I would say, you know, the book probably should come first. Um, I would. I would you got to know agree. what, when, where, and why you need to do these things. Yeah. Um, but I would still argue. You may may agree with me. You may disagree with me. You do need to have a balance of the street and the book to really become your player. Yeah. You know what you're going to become. Um, and even a step further, probably most people would disagree with me. I would imagine most people end up in the street at the end. Yeah. That may be wrong. You know, you, you may have stuck with the book. I know I ended up, I kind of started on the street, picked up a little bit of the book, but I definitely ended up in the street at the end. And I will probably rely on that until my career ends. Um, yeah. Always. Obviously you never stop learning. Yeah. We're always, he teaches me stuff. I see him do things. I'm still trying to be able to play the Purdy triplet shuffle half decent. I can do it in practice. Yeah. Uh, and like we talk about, then I try to go to the gig and do it. And it's just not that I can't do it. It's just sloppy. Yeah. Um, so that's one of those things that just takes time. And I didn't pick up the, the, the Bernard, the Bernard Purdy shuffle till man, not five, six years ago. Yeah. So it's not something that's been, you know, in my life the whole time I've known new Orleans street beat patterns longer than I've known that like the Stanton Moore stuff. Yeah. Because he was such a big influence on me when I was coming up in my twenties, I was like, I want to be him Yeah. before you figure out, well, you don't want to be him. I don't think anybody gets the fact that a lot of, you know, a lot of the guys coming up today on Instagram and YouTube, they want to be Tony Royster jr. They want to be Louis Palmer. They want to be, you know, it's like, well, why would you want to be them? Yeah. Why don't you, you be, be you? you. Yeah. That's, that's, I, I agree with that. Cause a lot of guys, it's, it's always chasing like the Aaron Spears, the Eric Moore. It's like, it's just, it's, it's all, it's, it's almost like a, it's like, it's just, it's just noise. It's just the same. Yeah. Over and over again. Same. Eric Moore is Eric Moore. And you're not going to be Eric Moore. Not that you couldn't learn to play technically like Eric Moore, but in his own mind, the way those patterns comes out and the way he emphasizes them. Eric Moore is always going to be Eric Moore. So why would you try to be him? Why don't you take from Eric Moore, from Aaron Spears, from Tony Royster, from whoever? Yeah. And take the little parts and construct something that is of you. Yeah. You know, I think that's that that maybe that's the best way to sum the whole thing up is you should be taking it, whether it's the book, the street, the player, metal, jazz, whatever. Yeah. You should be taking all those little parts and constructing and building your sound. Cause I think that's what everybody really wants to be at the end of the day. Yeah. I don't want to be Stanton more. I want to be me. Yeah. I think the book and the street are just ways to help you at that point and get there. See, that's uh this is the golden, golden lesson coming right here from the two yeah. bearded ones. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, did we have anybody weigh in while we were, um, uh, no, that was it. Just Waylon said thank you for uh Well thank you, Waylon, for 
tuning in. I hope you're still here, uh, and I hope that everything's going well with you. I know I talk to guys about it all the time. It's tough to be a musician right now with the the day and age that we live in, but, yeah. uh, you know, we're all still here, and we're hope you know, that you enjoyed hanging out with us, and we hope you'll come every week and hang out with us. Like I said, we're going to be picking different topics every week. Today's topic was a little more academic. Yeah. Um, if I go through my phone and look at the topics coming up, some of them are a little more gear related. A couple of them are straight up controversial where we might be having arguments between me and him or arguments between, uh, you know, us and you, us and you in the comments, which is not necessarily a bad thing to have a good debate on any one given topic. So, you know, the first topic we went over was a little more spiritual talking about where we are in this day and age. Today was a little more academic. We, uh, depending on what we go through next week, it may be a little more gear related. Um, so we'll just have to see what comes up, but we're, you know, I know I'm glad that everybody that was here with us hanging out. And if you commented, thank you. We know we, we do appreciate it. Um, and, uh, we, you know, we just enjoy coming out every week and getting to hang, even if it was just you and me. Yes. You know, it's a lot of fun. And I just want to also say, um, I know you guys retracted your messages. I've just been like waiting to like know what comes back. Cause I, I enjoy when you guys comment and we can kind of like, that's the fun part. Our breaks. Yeah. Cause it's fun. Cause we both have different pulls and skill sets of knowledge, um, that we could definitely throw back and forth with each other. You yeah. know, everybody whale out, you know, Whalen would have a, a, a different opinion. I'm sure GW, if he was to weigh in or, you know, any of the guys, I really hope that like, uh, some of the subscribers that I'm used to seeing pop up a lot, like, uh, David Supertinent would pop in on one of these uh, eventually. Um, there's a bunch of guys that are just constant commenters on the channel. I hope that they, if they see this video, that you you, you kind of tune in live with us one time because I would love to be able to chat in real time with y'all. Yeah, um, that's half of the fun. And as we go, obviously, it'll get better every week that we do this, and it'll get bigger. Hopefully, um, you know, going back to what I was saying earlier to kind of reemphasize it. Um, remember we are, you're obviously watching us here on YouTube, but the audio podcast is now available on Apple podcasts and Spotify. The first, uh, episode from last week is already up. If you want to go listen to that, if you give me probably till tomorrow morning, I will get this episode uploaded. Um, so if you, if you're, if you're like Jared or some people that really don't want to eat up their, um, data with the, uh, uh, the video, or if you're doing a project and you, like most of us just like to listen to a podcast, mm-hmm. um, you can check them out. You see it there on the screen. Those are the three platforms you can get this. Um, and uh, like I said, just give me a little time and I will definitely get that this, you know, the one you're watching now. And as usual, the video you're watching now, if you're not live with us, probably about 30 minutes from when we stop, yeah. it'll get uploaded as a regular video. Um, and, in bearded drums business, a regular bearded drums video will come up. I think it airs tomorrow at seven in the morning is when I have it scheduled for. So you'll see that. So go check it out. We'll be, or I'll be talking rather about the drum that I mentioned early on in the episode, a cool little Ludwig, uh, vintage piece. So, uh, go check that out. Um, anything else, Jared, before we, uh, kind of break out of here, I know that I'm starving. I don't know about you. I haven't eaten today. I had a little bit before I came, just so I wouldn't be all grumbly and gross. Well, I'm not, yeah, I'm with you, but uh, I know I'm starving. So, anything else you want to do before we get out of here, or did anybody weigh in? Uh, 
nothing new. Um, I guess I just, I'll say my little piece. I just want to say, you know, thank you for everyone to come in and watch. And whenever the video is uploaded, uh, it'd be cool if you guys, you know, decide to comment, you know, yeah, after come back the video comment done. it after the fact. That's yeah. fine. Because I go through and read them. Um, since I have a YouTube account now, I will gladly reply from my personal account. Any yep. questions that you have, you can direct them at me. You can just say JT or Jared. I'll answer to either one of them. Um, I got to figure out how to make you a moderator. It's where you can log in and do that stuff. And then obviously because it's my channel, I'll see the notifications come up if you come up on the back end um, and comment. So we'll, if it's directed to Jarrett, he'll see it and he'll come back at you. Or if I see it, I'll uh, I'll make sure to comment. I love, you know, obviously when they're not super toxic comments. Yeah. Um, if, it's, if it's a normal, even if you're disagreeing with me, if it's a normal comment, I love coming back and, uh, you know, just going back and forth. So. Yeah, discourse is cool when it's constructive. And toxic, not so much. Yeah, not a big fan of that. No, we don't need that here. No, it's supposed to be fun. There's enough going on outside. You should just be able, you know, hey, I don't agree with you. That's cool. Well, tell me why. And then maybe, you know, we'll find. You might change my mind. Yeah. Or I might change yours. Who knows? Or we might not change each other's minds, and that's still fine because everybody has an opinion. Yep. So, but anyway, thank you guys. Uh, like I said, this will be up later, and I will see you guys tomorrow morning for the regular video. And we will see all of you on the next one.